0: It's been a somewhat slow news week, but I think we have a couple uh, interesting uh, topics. We're going to be talking everything from EMPs to uh, InfoSec buzzwords and uh, just other various pandemic stories that have been uh, happening uh, to to each of us uh, over the last few weeks. So to our first topic, The uh, EMP, I I guess the U.S. government released some type of statement or advisory about protection against EMP. Um, Is that right, Tech? I I think you also read the article. Uh, I don't know if you had more of a synopsis than that.
1: Yeah, so the DHS released a a press release saying they were uh, uh, focusing on protecting against EMP attacks, which was quite confusing because... uh, If you know the science behind the EMPs, you know that they are not only impractical, but uh, essentially not really a serious threat is one of the main main ways to generate an EMP capable of actually taking out electronics on a mass scale is via a nuclear detonation, which obviously has other problems if you're detonating nukes in the airspace of other countries they tend not to like that very much. So the idea that someone is firing nukes at your country and your concern is the EMP waves, its it just doesn't really make sense. Well, I
0: think people see, people, yeah, see, people see things in the media and movies <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, there's like this little suitcase thingy-ma-bobber that fries the entire city.
2: <laughs> I don't think people understand how much of a pain it is to like maintain and like like keep one running big enough like when i was in college i worked in a neurobiology lab and we did research with invertebrate crustaceans and um electromagnetic fields which was (laughs) a really interesting intersection but um we had like this little closet that we turned into an electromagnetic field so we could do some research and it was a pain in the ass like it was the biggest undertaking ever it was irritating never worked right i mean maybe that's because i'm dumb but like (laughs) <laughs>
0: you don't have any CVEs. <laughs> I
2: don't you have no You're right. vulnerabilities. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, what is I'm calling it
1: the... of CVEs.
2: Publications. Okay. <laughs> hey, I am first author on a publication, and the second author is the NSA, so y'all can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was fun. It was it was so it was really weird, right? Like we were dealing with these like so most of the crustaceans we dealt with were crabs, and we were studying their location abilities based on the electromagnetic field. Um, I don't know. It was someone's grad research. I was just helping with it. but <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> but so like they they put sand in their body cavities in order and like they think that that has something to do with it. So we replaced the sand with like metal filings, and they would put metal filings in their body cavities. and then we would see like what the electromagnetic field like would do. like whether it would like mess them up or not. it was actually really interesting. Now, I don't know if
3: anyone can speak to this, but is there like, you know how bombs can be rated in kilotons and so forth? And are we talking like, does anybody, when they say EMP, that's like a bomb can include a firecracker is like a bomb, right? But it's because of the velocity of detonation and how much yield. Does anyone ever have like a threshold for like this many mega electron volts or whatever is involved when they're saying EMP, EMP risk? Uh, Because, you know, like TRAN, the, the electromechanical safe dials by Kaba, that's like the only time I've ever seen a number with EMP, where they say it will survive an air blast of this many kiloton nuke from like this altitude. But like for EMPs, you know, BABIC has little handheld devices that effectively are EMPs. They're little discharge devices that you can use to zap RFID credentials and kill them and glitch electronics. But when we hear reporting about this, Did the government's report, does anyone know, did they say, like, an EMP of this strength? Because they could just be talking literally about, like, a little ray gun that, like, you know, glitches your soda machine bill acceptor.
1: Are the ray guns EMPs? Because the designs I've seen are essentially just microwave magnetrons on a stick and it's not it's not actually EMPing the device it's like literally frying it like put, essentially like putting your cell phone in a microwave
2: so I, I have this like weird image of you running down the hallway with a microwave on a stick in, in a <laughs> i don't, that is so funny to me but that was the first thing that popped in my head but no i think they were vague on purpose or because they don't really know they would
0: always be vague because they don't want to give away like what are the thresholds and then the adversary would just adapt their technique i I don't think
1: it's that i think it's more they don't actually have a threat in mind and they're just trying to project that Mm -hmm. they are doing something Mm -hmm. and the reality is most likely some crongous people have been watching too many movies they saw like there's a new movie out which has emps in it and they probably went and saw that, and they were like, "Oh, this is a threat. We need to really seriously consider." So then they go and they lobby for the government to take these threats seriously, and then they have to do press releases to like put people's nerves at ease. You mean like but when the reality uh, is? It's...
0: Was it the EPA that released a statement after Stranger Things came out and said, "No, we do not have monsters in a cage or something like <laughs> that"?
1: <laughs> yeah, like stuff like that. It's just people can't discern between movies and reality. And a lot of those people work in government, and so they have to put out <laughs> statements like, yes, we are taking these threat of EMPs very seriously. Oh <laughs> <laughs> we are EMP-proofing our power stations, and the reality is they're not doing anything.
2: Yeah, I don't know, but um, I think... The next logical step is that someone's going to connect it to the election, because why not? So they're going to be like, oh, EMP is going to interfere with the election.
3: <laughs> Ironically, that's the oh, thing boy. that could happen with uh, if we keep using electronic voting machines, because the pocket EMPs mm-hmm. could totally make a voting machine go offline in a non-destructive way. And then it's just fouled oh, up. Oh, that's
0: true. Yeah. Just go get close to a machine in the district that where you want to basically wipe the votes.
3: And
2: now we're on a list.
1: <laughs> don't you have to, like, go to a metal detector? Metal detector for voting? Like, metal isn't it like a courthouse where they put metal I've detectors? I've never.
3: I've never done or that. never I've done that.
2: You have a house with metal detectors? Where the fuck do you live? What? Did you say a house with metal
1: detectors? No. Detector? <laughs> I said, like, can't they just, like, put metal detectors at the doors and oh. screen people who go in?
2: They don't do that. Usually they're in, like, church basements.
0: Yeah, they're in, like, church and community <laughs> centers. <laughs> like... and...
1: But I, I feel like uh, buying a metal detector is marginally cheaper than EMP proofing all of your voting machines and redesigning them to mm. withstand like blasts or having a paper backup.
2: All of the metal detectors are going to the high schools.
3: They arenas become voting centers like they said. I think a lot of sports stadiums have metal detectors, so maybe.
2: That makes a lot of
3: sense. It makes sense in the microcosm sense, but not in the sense of the most developed nation in the world is talking about the need for metal detectors for election security because we're a dumpster fire of a society. <laughs> yes.
1: I don't think at this point, anyone's gonna judge you. I think uh, you're you're far past the point of no return. So just, just put up the metal detectors, you'll be fine. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with
0: the Ig Nobel Prize? The what? Ig Nobel Prize.
1: Is this like IG? For iguanas? IG. Like... Instagram Nobel Prize?
0: It's basically something that started, I want to say Harvard, where annually they basically have this award where they award uh, an Ig Nobel Prize to essentially the most useless research for the year. I love this! (laughs) I love this! And since you mentioned doing electromagnetic experiments on invertebrates, one year, (laughs) one year, one of the winners... Someone proved or, or, or demonstrated that uh, it was statist- statistical significance that when dogs defecate, they prefer to align their bodies towards the North Pole.
2: Yes, I read that study. <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't know what that says about me, but I remember reading that study.
0: That won the, the Ig Nobel Prize for biology that year.
2: I love it. I want one of those prizes so bad. Just doing like dumb research
1: and did
2: there's a see, lot of dumb research out there so like it you
1: takes see the a one lot I shared on uh, on twitter
2: maybe maybe it
1: was they did a research that basically proved that jumping out of a plane with an empty backpack was uh, as safe as with a parachute and this was actually published in a british medical journal which is a serious medical journal and you get like halfway through the study and you realize that the plane is stationary on the ground oh my god <laughs>
4: No.
2: <laughs>
1: and it was it was like a legit study. It was hilarious. I'll have to scroll back and
2: find that. That's hilarious.
0: Well, all of these Ig Nobel Prize research, they're real research published in real <laughs> journals. Probably not nature, but they are published.
2: <laughs> so in my defense, the invertebrate electromagnetic field stuff was not my research. It was stuff I was helping with. In my research, Capstone was actually um psychological and pharmaceutical effects on the brains of people with PTSD. Um and studying the genetic expression differences between people that were deployed versus people that were non-deployed in the military
1: a little That's bit more useful
2: it was really interesting yeah i mean there's so like stress can actually cause your genes to express differently over time um. oh
1: i i shouldn't get a genetic test <laughs> and mauer's like oh shit <laughs> <I'm bugged. laughs> Yeah, because it's, even it's even happening. in nature,
0: when when there's a famine or something, that induces stress and that signals your body to turn on certain genes to help you survive or navigate the situation. Uh, so I'm not surprised that um, psychological stress can also trigger uh, genetic or even epigenetic um, things in in your body. So Demian, you you mentioned earlier uh, before we start recording that. Though You had some type of pandemic-related story that, that seemed to just be all over the place. I mean, there are so many adjectives and, and nouns in your sentence. I was like, what the heck's going on?
3: It is a story of hilarity, of things that are complicated, both by pandemicing and by how privacy-conscious us, uh, our community is, all of us are. The, <laughs> here's, here's, where, here's the start, right? <laughs> I understand that we're all doing our best and that the world is collapsing around us and our institutions and society are failing and everyone is really tired of being indoors. Well, I'm not, because I hate people, but I recognize my friends are, right? And a very specific thing that I liked, something I have adopted, and I encourage all of you, when someone's having a hard time in your life, we did this with with neighbors of ours that experienced a loss during the pandemic. I got to attend a Zoom funeral, in fact. But instead of that good-natured, but ultimately unhelpful, is there anything I can do? Would you tell me if there's anything we can do? That, that's a very lovely statement, but it doesn't really, it's not actionable, right? You're placing emotional work on the other person to like go down a list of things they need and like ask you. So I have now started and I encourage everyone to do this. If someone in your life is having a really bad time, just ask them, would you like a pie? Can I send you a pie? Can I give you pie? Because it's a quick yes, no. Like you can thumbs up or thumbs down that if you're on the 30 for 30 keto magnificent new age woo woo diet or something and say, no, give a pie to the homeless person. But someone in our community, they were having a really rough time as many people are. So I DM them all the time. Like, Hey, you know what, reach it out of this DM. Would you like pie? And to her credit, she's like, well, I don't turn down free food. And I was like, okay, you're having a bad time. I'm going to send you pie. Now this person, lives, I later realized, in kind of a food desert. So literally like searching for their location and pie is like Rusty Joe's bullshit pizza pie, some other who gives it damn pizza pie, and then like McDonald's. Those are like, I'm like McDonald's has pie. So like trying to deliver a pie through any conventional service, Grubhub, Uber Eats, nothing would work. So I'm the old, right? So I actually remembered, you can look up directories of businesses and try to find them and call them on the phone like some kind of psychopath. So I did this. I found a bakery uh, in the rough region of where this person lives, like the 20-minute drive. And I was like, hey, I'm curious. Do you happen to do deliveries? And you know, they're like, no, I'm sorry. We don't really. I think I actually emailed first because I emailed at a few places. And this one place like, no, we, we don't really tend to do that uh are you do you don't you're not coming in to the store I'm like no it's complicated I'm I'm far away I have a good friend they're on this lockdown of course like the rest of us and we're trying to improve their day with a pie and the guy's like well i mean huh, that's real nice of you and i was like well look they're like 20 minutes away could i like i'll side channel you you know extra money if you or an employee happens to live to the north of the business if you're going home that way on the north side of the city maybe they can like bring a pie i know it's kind of unconventional request and the guy's like that's a very kind thing we'll try to make this work so he calls me and i'm on the phone i'm like so how we want to do this? you want like my credit card he's like well i figured you could like you were going to email me a credit card but i was like okay that's first of all let's get off that train but i was like i i can give you a credit card over the phone, which people used to do, or if you do, I don't know if you're some teenage asshole who vapes, like I could Venmo you or something. He's like, no, 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 I think uh, we could, I have like, I have a Venmo, but I've never used it to receive money. I always give money to my kids. I don't know how it really works. I was like, well, whatever you wanna do. He's like, okay, well, what's the address? And I give him this address. He says, well, who's the recipient? Now, again, we're all really privacy conscious. And even though this person kind of knows that I was sending her pie, uh, I don't want to just give out her name and address. So it's like on some database. On a, maybe it's going to be a post-it note on this guy's pie counter. i like, I don't want that on my head. So I made up a name and I was like, no, they don't have a phone. He's like, they don't have a phone. I'm like, well, no, they're, <laughs> they're uh, an elderly person. They're a shut in. Uh, it's a whole thing. They only exist on the internet. I'm just making social engineering stories up. And he's like, well, how will I let them know it's there? I'm like, Just leave the pie. Just it's a non-contact delivery, like like every delivery is today. Just do a no-contact delivery, and it's fine. So we get this all together. Finally, manage. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna drop this pie off." (laughs) It's like great. Can't believe it. 15 states away, someone's getting a pie. So I went to bed happy. He's like, "Eh, "Don't even worry about the money. Like, we'll deal with the money in the morning." I was like, "Well, who's morning? Because you're in." Ohio and my morning is not your morning by long. He's like, well, you're not going to scam me out of pie. I don't think this is your long range plan for fraud.
4: So he's like, I'll call you
3: later in the day. I'll, I'll message you. So I get a text as I wake up to the next day. I'm like, your pie has been delivered. I'm like, awesome. Can't believe that freaking worked. I expecting his next text to be like, let's make this money thing happen. He went, yeah, the people in the house were really suspicious of me and they acted aghast. I'm like, "The what people? so i'm like wait he's like yeah there was this old man and woman and they were taking pictures of me through the door like and they didn't want to answer the door i'm like first of all it. i made up a story about an old person it's not an old person so are you at the right house secondly why are you dealing with the people so i just i get on the phone i'm like hey tell me again about how you scared an old couple he's like yeah yeah they really didn't know what was going on with this pie and i really feel i felt kind of awkward so did they i'm like why did you, how did you talk to somebody? Were they outside? He's like, well, no, I rang the doorbell. Like, What's fucking wrong with you? What's, that's a no contact delivery. He's like, well, I didn't reach out and touch him. Like, that's not what no contact means. He's like, well, what did you want me to do? I was like, leave the pie. He's like, well, I couldn't leave the pie. The squirrels would eat it. I thought about putting it in a much more heavy duty box but then I said, I'd probably have to charge that guy for a box. And I wouldn't even know where to get a wood or metal box. <laughs> but simultaneously, way too much thought into this and not the right thought into this. <laughs> so I figure out that, yes, he has interacted with someone at this house who is not my friend, I think. And now he's like, all right, so let's try to get this money thing. He's like, you know what? I use that Venmo. Let's go ahead and try the Venmo. I'm like, okay. Is it under your phone number? Or what? He's like, well, I mean, how does Venmo work? Th- does that how it works? I'm like, okay, put in your phone number. That is clearly your phone number. I'm like, uh, it's not coming up. Is it under a different phone number? He's like, no, did you, are you sure you put in the right phone number? I'm like, it's the phone number I'm friggin' talking to you on. So <laughs> unless you have more phones, that's <laughs> not your, it's like that XKCD, like, are you sure that's your email? No, it's really not your email. Cause that's my Gmail. So eventually, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, look, do a message request for money. And it comes through to my account. And it's like, I'm like, it's this username. He's like, I've never heard of that username. I'm like, well, you should write it down. Cause that's, that's who you are. Here's your 36 bucks. <laughs> there you go. Thinking that like, finally I could wash my hands of this story, but it gets better because I went to message the person on, on Twitter. I was like, Hey, sorry. It took so long. You live in a food desert the pie finally came, have a, have a better day. But I'm noticing their Twitter is like, somebody sent my parents a pie and my family's very <laughs> confused. <laughs> <laughs> Did you give me your parents' address? Because I know we're all really privacy conscious here. Well, no, it turns out her parents were like visiting the house briefly and didn't realize that like, you know, deliveries happen. So yes, it was in fact an old couple. It was not the right person, but the right house but they didn't know what was going on. And there was a whole parallel Twitter thread that morning about mystery pie, which has then been resolved. (laughs) So in the end, yes, a pie was transmitted from one person to another over the internet. And I think money changed hands without me compromising my credit card or their identity. But I definitely confused a lot of old people in the process.
1: I mean, in your defense, you probably distracted them from whatever they were going through with the the great pie mystery. So yeah, <laughs> I, I imagine that helps
2: I dig it. Surprise pies.
3: Seriously, offer people pies if they're going through something bad. Don't just say, "Oh, you can do." Let me know if you need anything. Literally, give them pies or drugs.
1: Usually, drugs or alcohol is the is the way.
2: I see people coffee if they're having a bad day sometimes. I'll be like here's a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. like send them like either gift card or like just enough money for coffee or i know like there have been a couple people where we'll send each other just like baked goods and stuff when we're having like a shitty time and it's so nice i don't know what it is about it but it makes it so much more enjoyable knowing that like someone was like thinking of you Mm -hmm. and wanted to put that effort into something so even if it's not something you ask for because i mean i know like me like a lot of people you'll be like oh like if someone says, "Oh, is there anything I can do?" I'll be like, "No, I'm good." Like, "Thanks, but I don't have anything in mind. I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Send me a pie." So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so, what that's why that's Amazon. Amazon's also nice because you can order something to deliver to someone and have it, and they can gift wrap it for you mm-hmm. and they can even include a little card with a message if you're choosing on it, which is which is pretty
3: convenient.
2: I actually did that understate. to Marcus yeah. one time
3: amazon understands no contact deliveries
1: yeah she sent me a blanket for my for my couch because you, you were
2: like because i had posted a picture with it and you were like where did you get that
1: blanket? <laughs> it looks so comfy
2: and it's like tall too that's what i like about it it's like six feet long i'm like yes but um yeah. now i sent you that and then some random cadbury <laughs>
3: It was like a bizarre mix of
1: stuff. I mostly just send people weed because you can, you can (laughs) deny that here. It's great. (laughs) I I was
3: like, wow, they really are diversified.
2: (laughs) You know, PillPack is owned by Amazon and I use their services and I love that shit. They're getting in a pharmaceutical realm now. Game on. We send people like ecstasy or something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Drugs as a service.
0: Do you remember that uh, that box of chocolate I sent, and I forgot to put my address on it, so it was like a mystery box of chocolate to you guys? Do you remember that? That sounds sketchy. Yes,
3: as hell. yes, I do. And it's funnier the more the more we like continue to piss off shitty people on the <laughs> internet. The more it's it's funny because we both have more fans and friends who will want to send us things, but you also are natural. Again, you're just naturally suspicious. And you're like, oh man, this is like a food stuff. How many people have I pissed <laughs> off this week? Would someone have gone to the trouble of trying to poison me? I had a bottle of scotch show up at like a mailing address of mine with no card or anything. And I, you know, I was like, oh, let's check that seal. This is exactly the kind of like, no, all my freaking haters are complete losers who wouldn't have tried this hard. So <laughs> I'm pretty good. Let's go, 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 go. I'll just drink that.
2: Someone from Twitter sent me a tube of glitter one time. Like, one a of glitter those, bomb? Like, prop- yeah yeah oh not the glitter like bombs
0: useful glitter so it's Damn. crazy
2: and i mean it was i think it was meant in a loving way because the note was really nice but it was just like really like now i have to vacuum so i automatically hate you
3: <laughs> anyone watching this i open all my mail in the garage so glitter bombs won't really
1: help <laughs> i don't think i've ever received anything that suspicious
2: I, mean, I think we can make it
3: happen <laughs> yeah we can make that everyone happen. that's your assignment <laughs>
2: i'm gonna send challenge you a challenge accepted i'm gonna cut letters out of a magazine and write you a note
0: <laughs> <laughs> just a really nice make sure note. to include yeah. pictures from his wired uh, magazine article <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: pictures i'm gonna make a collage of different pictures of your face <laughs> you.
0: i can send my, you some good pictures
1: <laughs> my problem is like rarely deliveries but physical people who just turn up at my place <laughs> and I'm, I'm lucky yeah I have people no. just turn up at my house no. and I'm, I'm lucky are they that looking I for live... you specifically yeah. or are they... but oh, wow. um, the way my apartment complex works is I can actually get deliveries without giving out my apartment number mm-hmm. so most stuff is just to my uh, the apartment complex address rather than my apartment so they don't know which apartment I'm in so they turn up at the management uh, like the front desk and then they start asking about me and they're asking like what apartment i'm in and then the front desk call me and they tell me like someone's turned up again like, looking for the <laughs> <your> apartment <laughs> and this has happened at least three times now
3: no. oh man at <laughs> least the management sounds cool they're not like dummies who are easily social yeah,
1: yeah they are 100 i don't know about I that am.
3: but i can't share that story <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, god! they definitely know who i am because i'm the only like there's thousands of people in this complex and i'm the only one whose name they remember Mm -hmm. which is suspicious
2: (laughs) well you're probably the only one who has random ass people coming and asking for them so i mean they're probably like what is this guy doing
1: they've definitely looked me up by now they must have they must have been like why is this guy getting so many like turning up to his place
2: yeah i'm glad like mine is you can't even really buzz in I mean you can try but it doesn't really work so like if if nobody's in the management office you're not getting in the building
1: <laughs> i kind of is... want to move to a place like that because mine. if you're smart you can get in but i'd like one where you physically cannot enter the building without a card
2: and it's really like you have to even for me to just go get my mail from like my apartment i have to go through like t- eight or nine locked doors like
1: so if you
3: don't have
2: a key it's gonna be a while before you get through everything.
3: Tran and I are <laughs> chuckling in penetration tester right now. I know, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> penetration
2: testing. So, like, my building's a little over... It's over 100 years old. So, like, it can either be really good or really bad for security. Like, it's good in the fact that, like, it used to be a factory and there's, like, heavy-ass doors everywhere. And, like, they're hard to open even if you do have a key. So, <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> there's security nothing Security through obscurity?
2: <laughs> yes, there's nothing automated here. It's all, like... From when the building was built. It's really sketchy. But at the same time, like it's probably easy to break. So we should do a thing where we try and get, make our way into each other's apartment. <laughs> well,
1: Seriously.
3: Wait.
1: I was gonna say I wouldn't bother with mine because it's easy. But this apartment that I went to, the one I was talking about a second ago, I think we should host a competition there, see who can actually get Let's into the it. building. Because like that is the most secure apartment complex I've ever been to. Like I've never seen anything like that.
3: Let's do it that would get some serious engagement. Tiger Team is a long time ago on the internet and on the TV, people (laughs) yearning for that show again. Well, maybe that's a good segue
0: to kind of infosec myths and everything uh, and and fact around physical security. uh, Because I I think now it's, I don't wanna say mainstream, but it's more well known that blocks can be picked or physical security controls are not as great as they're always advertised. But I feel like there's a lot of fear mongering as well about uh, how oh my god your locks are useless and blah 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 you need like super duper security measures. Um, I mean, kind of walk- curious about people's thoughts on that about you know physical security. I mean, what is enough security? What's reasonable? And just any interesting myths or or bad advice that you hear on the topic. Maybe, Dave, you go last since you're kind of the our resident uh, expert. <laughs>
1: yeah uh, my my feeling of physical security is if it's like personal and not not for like a business locks and whatever is just not it like who cares if locks are pickable? i i feel like more of the focus should just be on like like if you if you're in a situation where you need to have a lockdown house you have bigger problems like i can buy the most secure locks in the world i can have uh like I can secure everything, but it doesn't take the fact. It doesn't change the fact that if someone knows where I live, they can, they can break the window, they can break down the door, they could bust through the wall if they really want. And I feel like there's a very, very narrow area between this person really wants to get into my house and they will go out of their way to get in. At which point I'm fucked. And this person is going to put in slightly a bit of effort, but not enough effort that they would they would bust through the window or something. And I feel like that is not an issue I have, where someone is maybe going to lockpick their way into my house, but not simply kick down the door. So I, I personally don't worry about uh, like lock security, because just if they really want to get in, they can get
0: Mhm. Gabs, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree. I think, you know, based on the se- things that I've seen, I mean, people will like, go to the door just trying like door handles and whatever and if it doesn't open then they move on um that seems to be the low-hanging fruit and then there's the people that will stop at nothing but that is rare I feel like so I don't know um I'm a fan of stuff like that in some cases like I don't know I'm really big on like keeping firearms locked up and stuff like that so obviously do believe in some sort of safe lock technology stuff but as far as my day-to-day like i'm cool with a lock and a key and like i don't know i just i don't really like i don't know my mom was trying to get me to get one of those like apartment lock things like that you need like stick it in the door and it like keeps the door from opening all the way and stuff But i'm like who's gonna break the deadbolt and get into my apartment and like if they want to get in that bad then like that's not gonna stop them so i don't know
0: yeah i i i'm i'm the same as you guys i mean I'm not too worried about my locks. I mean, I do I have nice locks? Yes, but that's because I'm geeking out. Hey, I'm not nice expecting, yeah, hey, hey <laughs> nice locks. Um, <laughs> that's gonna
2: be the first thing I say. Uh,
0: but yeah, I, I'm not worried about someone you know, I, I don't need these special locks or anything to protect against some adversary or anything. Like, like, like Tech said, someone can smash my window. Someone can kick my door in. Now, of course, I put in a reinforced door jam because I needed to replace the door jam anyways because it was kind of rotting. So I might as well put something really strong and use the the proper length bolts that's, that screw into the studs as well. Um, and also, realistically, if someone was going through my building trying to get into my unit, the other units are going to be way easier, so <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm
1: I'm fine. Like, the other door, I mean, Defense the outrun depth. the bear analogy, you don't need to outrun a bear, you just need to be less slow. Yeah, yeah. don't be the I slowest
0: mean, person. When, when, when I walk down the hallway, I can see that some doors at some point in the building's history have been kicked in. The door jams or damage are loose and not properly repaired, uh, and even when i moved into my unit i i inspected the door and the door the door jam (laughs) in in, in (laughs) california uh it's an old it's an older building but yeah yeah, the door jam was damaged and they and you know the 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 previous owner they had put one of those little chain things in but the screws they used to screw it in were only like half an inch so it (laughs) literally like you could just like pull it out of the uh out of the door so it was hilarious but yeah i mean it all depends on what you're protecting if there's something more valuable that you need to protect, yeah, you can put it into a safe, you can put it to something more difficult, but also if someone breaks into my place and steals things, that's what insurance is for. So you yeah. have other things you can do to minimize
1: what you're, you know, what you're trying to protect against. Yeah, my feeling is just based on what I know and like, what I've had issues with in the past is the target is more likely to be me than anything in my apartment, at which point, like if I step outside they can murk me. So what's the point of having a reinforced door and a reinforced windows and super secure locks if it's me they're after? Cause I leave my apartment. Like it's a very rare occurrence, but it does happen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're like a cryptid at this point. Yeah. It's like a Bigfoot sighting.
3: <laughs> so Deep, your I, kind of thoughts? Well, yeah, myths. I was gonna say let's yeah. hear the expert. Yeah. Well, I mean, y- y'all have hit most of the key points that there's a sliding scale of risk, right? And what is the asset? Like, speaking about the asset and who wants to, and do they want to steal it? Do they want to just destroy it or harm it? Is the asset a physical, tangible good? Is the asset a person? Is the asset an idea? Like, you know, are, are you at risk of terrorism or something? Um, but yeah, like, we, we think of ourselves in pretty much in layers. Uh, we are, by and large, like, I am super unfindable. Uh, which helps me because, you know, my, where I live is not an easy thing to figure out. Our home itself is pretty much a fortress. It, the way, and that's a lot of, it's not like I did a ton of work, right? It's construction. We, we picked a place that the ground floor only has one entrance and it doesn't go anywhere. You have a garage down there, but there's only a narrow stairwell going up from there with a very heavy door. We have a lot of electronic monitoring going on. I do have also kind of not like Gucci locks, but I, I have nicer locks than your hardware store ones. But not because I trust the locks to be the main thing there. I trust that if I give someone a key, uh, if we have you know, uh, if we have someone coming over to look at the cats or something, if we're away, I can always reclaim that key later and know that there is meaningfully an unlikely chance that they could ever have tried to copy that key. But other than that, it's. You know, like if, as you say, like someone who wants to give you harm, most of the time my stuff is, yeah, it's in safes. All the valuable stuff is in safes if we're not here. And as far as ourselves, like Tara and I have had actual, like we've dealt with stalkers. We've dealt with police and FBI and stuff. And that's not, the the situation there isn't locks. Like that's, that's what the situation there is, the G-lock, right? That's, that's a separate, a separate type of security device.
2: Yes, my favorite.
3: Uh, but that's. That's all, when you're home, you're home, sure. But when you're out, you're out, it's security is, an, is a moving target. And much of the time, uh, really, as far as commercial world or residential, a lot of people are getting into the, I have cameras, such such and such game, because evidence and reconstruction is the bigger deal. Whether you're dealing with insurance, as Tran mentions, after a loss of a tangible good, or whether you are like having someone check, like, you know, we have a service that kind of monitors our cameras and they say, hey, you know, these cars with these license plates were outside more regularly than usual, but they aren't, you know, regular cars. They're not the ones that we've seen before. Do you want us to look into that further? That's um, pretty legit. Yeah, it's, there are services out there that do close protection and other things, which we don't need right now. Briefly, for, for stalker-type periods, there were times that we had different discussions. But yeah, when you, like, Judge me by my haters, I guess.
1: You somehow got unluckier than me. Like (laughs) you you don't have anywhere near the like the public exposure, yet you somehow have found way worse haters and stalkers than I have ever come across in like my entire career.
2: Marcus. They're all fucking pussies, they'll never do anything. If someone (laughs) does try and do something to you, call me and I will come beat their ass. (laughs) (laughs) I will be your personal security guard. I will fly across the country. You're amazing. to beat someone up with you. <laughs> because i love you. But um uh, on the on the more serious side, i guess, maybe not. I really it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my bucket list. I really want to break down a door.
3: Yeah. Like Dang. i really
2: want to like shoulder in kick in a door just because
3: you want to use some 12 s- gauge breaching rounds. We we do that. We train for that. Like Yeah.
2: I mean, i want to see, nice. see if i can. I want to see if i can. Yeah. So Let's do it.
0: Break down some <laughs> shit. This well, kind of. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I mean, there's a really subtle point you mentioned: key control. That's another mm-hmm. interesting concept as well that a lot of people don't think about. When you loan your key out, how easy it is is it for someone to just go to a hardware store and have it copied? Right. Later on.
3: Because uh, that's the, a situation where, if someone has a key nowadays, like, you know, if police, let's say police show up because there's an alarm. A lot of people have more than one property. They don't have ID that like, you know, I just moved here a lot of times to, you know, clear that call police or apartment management will say, oh, well, look, I have this so and so gave me the key to their apartment. I'm supposed to be here. And that's that's kind of a token of validation of like, oh, well, that person, they're not going to arrest that person. Even if they set off an alarm or did something in your house, being able to demonstrate legitimacy It ends, it, it like lends this legitimacy to their being there. That's something where I'm like, oh shit, you didn't stop that guy. Well, well, he had a key, you know? So that's, that's kind of the thing about key control that I think of. It lends legitimacy to someone. If there's, let's say I have uh, someone watching my house, right? And someone comes in, but they're like, hey, what are you doing here? They're like, oh yeah, no, Dave and Tara, they wanted me to water the plants. They gave me this key. And again, that person can, I, maybe the person watching my house won't even think much of it and won't even tell us, which would be awful. Or the, again, the assailant gets away and doesn't get stopped because in the moment the person's like five minutes later, they're like, do you even tell I don't have plants?
1: You know, but the, in the moment,
2: like, <laughs> that guy's I gone. How, I love how that's the point where they're just like, wait.
1: Yeah. But how does the key control, uh, control work when it comes to a fourth amendment? Like if my, apart- my landlord has a key mm-hmm. and the police show up and he's like, here, I have a key, I can let you in. Mm-hmm. Does that now give them entry into my apartment? Is there, does that invalidate probable cause? That would be my worry more than someone is in my apartment and has been arrested now.
3: <laughs> right, so there's a whole, like if, if anyone is super into the fourth amendment, there is, uh, what you wanna check out is Dre- Dressler's criminal procedure. Dressler's crim pro class, which the professor Dressler has released, uh, like all of his class kind of openly, I believe it's downloadable, uh, as an audio format and other things. It's a series of lectures, but it's all the holes in the fourth amendment. So you will understand what a Terry exception is. You'll understand, you'll understand all these things. It's really fascinating as far as, and I am not a lawyer, nor am I fucking one, but, (laughs) uh, so this is not legal advice. The home, the castle, the home is super sarcosanct. The idea of violation of the home is something that even in the eviscerated Fourth Amendment that we live under now is still very, very hard to violate. So if your landlord has a key, there's, there's an example of if someone else can give consent. If you're having a house party and there's a noise complaint, right? Police knock on the door, and you don't answer the door because you're, you know, helping someone hold their hair back. They're puking in the bathroom, <laughs> but somebody else answers the door. They don't live there. They're not the resident. They can give consent to let them. They can let the police in, and it's not a violation of the Fourth Amendment because you let that person into your home, and then the onus is on you to tell people. And we have told like people we have a Christmas party, uh, like every year. Well, we used to. I don't know. But all, you know, anyone who comes into our home, we tell them a few things. We're like, see all these cameras, the interior ones are disabled with a hard switch when we're inside. So we tell like all of our sex worker friends and stuff that because they're like, what are these fucking cameras? <laughs> but they also know like everyone who's very, very strong with with police interactions. We're like, you do not answer the door. You do not let anyone in. You, do, you say, I do not consent to any searches. And we just have friends who understand that that's what they will say. Your landlord cannot consent for you. Your landlord cannot legally under the Fourth Amendment, my understanding, is consent to a search without a warrant. Now, interesting. can there be exigent circumstances? Can the police try to coerce them and say, they have a person tied up in there right now. We heard about it from some 13-year-old on Xbox Live. That's why we have to kick in the door. <laughs> um, the landlord could like open the door, but then there could be spoliation of evidence at that point because it's not a valid consent. Yeah. Uh, your landlord does have the right themselves to yeah, enter, enter your premises yeah. for regular maintenance, to inspect things. Uh, it varies from state to state and it's usually spelled out in the terms of your lease, what type of notification they have to give you. That can often be undermined by exigency of any kind. Like, oh, we have electronic monitoring, uh, most places fire alarm, smoke alarm. If yeah. there's like a smoke alarm or anything like, oh, we had a glitch in the smoke alarm, it we went off. And so like if they, now if they come in and if they see something that is criminal, if they're like, oh wow, that's a meth lab, again like they had the right to enter and gather that evidence and then if they pass that evidence to the police that's a different matter but for the most part they the most the most common way that a landlord using a key in conjunction with officers would be officers showing up with a valid warrant and the officer says here's the warrant do you want damage to that door because that's what we're about to do and the landlord will say no i'll open the door and usually they don't know but usually they give it to the police and the police say stand back down there and don't record us because we don't like people watching what we do
2: (laughs) Yeah, even though it's in public Yeah, i feel like the i don't know the laws like for that and then even just what you can and can't do on your property like so i don't know the laws vary from state to state obviously but like in ohio i was a ccw holder i don't have mine yet here in connecticut but like you have to go through all of that those classes that teach you about the castle doctrine and like what type of force you're allowed to use on your own property because there are some places where like even if someone's like on your property there are certain things you are not you are and aren't allowed to do um certain levels of force you are and aren't allowed to use so i don't know it's it's a weird it gets you into like a weird
3: subject that's the whole thing i teach when uh like i do all these firearm trainings for people which have gone up a lot lately because a lot of people a lot of especially marginalized and queer communities are like worried uh, and one of the things, like we we check out all the cool pistols and all the different rifles. They're like, oh man, I love that Stoner rifle. Is that your home defense gun? I'm like, fuck no. Because <laughs> a it looks really bad. Like like to a court of twelve people in a jury box who've never like seen fight. Like you don't want to have anything that's like the Gucci gun. You want the most stock, base level thing. Make sure there's wood on it. Just make sure yeah. there's a wood stock and it's good. And for the most part, we have like <laughs> we have a billion D rifles here, right? And our home defense is a shotgun. Because the first few rounds in the tube are less lethal rounds. And if you ever had to engage someone, heaven forbid, like there's an assailant. Again, not legal advice, but this is just a metric, right? If you engage an assailant with less lethal technology first, if you have tried to provide them with means to egress the situation and they are not leaving, that all plays into the entire picture of the evidence of how a situation has unfolded.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: So I will let loose with non-lethal rounds. Yeah. And if that's not happening, I'm I'm sorry.
1: Yeah,
2: I would ideally not like to kill someone where I live because that's mm-hmm. just a bad ghost to have around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> bad luck for the neighbors. Yeah, right. The serial killer.
2: But um, no, yeah, definitely. The one thing that does that is really interesting to me, though. When I got my CCW, they were the first question they asked us was whether everyone in the class had shot a gun before, and we we're all like. Yeah. And they were like, you would be amazed at the number of people that get these that have never shot. (laughs) And I'm like, that's scary. Like That that scares me. I don't know. But Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I'm not sure what you've seen on your end of things, Deviant.
3: But it's a mix. Um, A lot of people, yeah, people, nowadays is is an odd time. Everyone is, everyone's got their hackles up. Everyone's worried about far right violence, uh, which is just continues to get worse. So I don't know, people, you got a lot of first timers. I've taken a lot of first timers to the range recently.
2: First timers is fine when you go- use it, but there have been people that have like gone to take the test and have not ever shot their weapon before. And I think that's a little- That's scary. unwise, yeah.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a little
0: scary. And I always advise anyone who wants to buy a gun or to use it, even think about using it potentially as a defense, self-defense or get a CCW, is practice. You need to build that muscle memory. It's not an, a gadget you just buy and store away and then and, and you just pull it out when you need it. You need to practice because you have to take I mean, this is this is a this is a deadly tool and you have to be able to practice and be able to operate it under duress in a stressful situation. So, I mean, anyone who, you know, people who come to me and ask, Hey, what gun should I buy? My my question is, how often are you going to go to go practice? Because without that. it's more of a danger to yourself and your loved
3: ones.
2: And what are you going to use it for? What are you planning on using it for?
3: Well, there is no substitute for actual, you know, lead down range at a proper establishment, I have a YouTube video coming out soon about something that has blown my fucking mind.
2: What is it? Tell us.
3: So I have done trainings for ages, and back in the day, like anyone who's done laser-based training with firearms might remember CERT and other types of where the entire gun is not a real gun, right? Like there's a laser emitter and you're, but it's, you have to take out all the guts of the gun. Tech has gotten so microscopic now. This is 9 mil and this is 223 and I have others. They are essentially just a laser pointer, but the laser pointer is interacted with a little momentary switch on the back. Like, so you can just pop this into a firearm, no modification at all other than drop this in. It'll headspace correctly and then against a wall or anything you want, just pop. You can put laser hits and there are now free apps on smartphones that will just, because again, the target, right? Laser targeting systems for training, photo sensors and all that shit, that's expensive. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a device now with more computing power than they took to the moon. And it has, a like it can record, it can see dots, You can like literally like, okay, here's my, look at this wall. And then you just start shooting lasers at the wall on a bullseye or whatever. And it's showing you all your hits. It'll do shot timing, it'll do exercises. So for exercises at home, I have been blown away that these got so small. I don't know when the hell it happened, but they're like 30 bucks, 40 bucks online.
1: I'm seeing uh, iPhone sales going up when people forget to clear the chamber before putting in (laughs) laser hands.
2: (laughs) But you know what, my pixel will bake it. (laughs) I
1: think we'll make it. <laughs> probably yeah. will to be honest <laughs> i i think, I mean, that, I think I mean, that this could take some bullets
0: <laughs> that type of training though I, I think is really good for for, for trigger control um, mm. but i, I think it, it's never going to replace the, the recoil or the, right. the sound and i think that is what causes most of the surprise or shock to someone who mm-hmm. does not shoot often um so yeah i think it is a useful alternative for practicing certain skills in in, in shooting but it's it, but there are other things that you still have to send lead down range
1: would well, do you think it would be possible with how small tech is now to essentially have the thing filled with some kind of compressed dense gas so that when you hit it it fires the mm-hmm. laser recalls as if it were a real that weapon. exists that is cool that yeah is that exists it's cool. a,
3: it's but those a, are still modified
0: in a magazine but those are still modified handguns you have because you have to put the um the you have to put something in the barrel to create that back pressure
1: mm-hmm.
3: yeah you swap the barrel and the, the container in the magazine yeah, is there we see these all the time at shot there's everyone has a new get whizbang gizmo that like does this now but these cool. are the cheapest ones i've found as far as actual range training uh, if you don't know Tactical Girlfriend, it sounds so gamery, but she's amazing. <laughs> like, she talks all about gun safety and range training. She's a competitive shooter. Uh, if you don't know Tactical Girlfriend on t- on the internet, check her out.
2: I can confirm she's awesome. But
1: um... I just get FOMO. No, because <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not actually allowed to possess nor own weapons, and that's not because I'm a felon. I could apply to get my <laughs> Second Amendment <laughs> rights back. <laughs> But I can't apply for them back because I never had them in the first place. Because I'm not, uh, I'm uh, like, I'm a non-resident alien, which the Second Amendment doesn't apply to. So, like, seeing everyone having fun with guns, and then I'm technically not allowed to really even touch them, which is kind of depressing.
2: I knew you were an alien. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
3: you're only
1: not allowed to touch them in the U.S. We can always yeah. go
3: somewhere. Go, go to an island, and we'll bring everything with us. Or are you
2: are you technically allowed to on private property? No no a, i
1: don't know a, the laws around that yeah the the law is basically you can't be in possession of a firearm unless you're either a resident alien or a u.s citizen i believe
2: oh, fancy you know how many people that are illegal aliens that have firearms here because
1: but i i'm, I'm trying not to i know, my luck, I, given know I'm, I have I two know. felonies already <laughs>
2: oh three is a charm marcus
0: <laughs> I would <Maybe> rather
1: to- <laughs> non-violent crimes <laughs> <laughs>
0: To make Tech a little bit more jealous uh, Dave. I mean, what's your What's your concealed carry? Uh, the G43
2: Yeah! Mine's a 43X So mm-hmm.
3: No, nice, nice, yeah, yeah
2: I Just love a little bit it. more
3: meat on the handle mm-hmm.
2: it's, it's perfect It's like, I don't know, I wanted something that was going So it's like, yeah, there's more meat on the handle But it's also slimmer in parts, I think The frame is slimmer, so, I don't know It's perfect, I love it to death It took me a while to get used to because I'd only really ever shot like MMPs before so it was my first real Glock shooting and the trigger was super different I was like what is this I had like the worst like I was like I don't even remember what I was doing but I was letting it drift every time I shot but once I got used to it I was like this is literally the perfect fit for me yeah it's it's a
3: marvelous yeah we have a billion G19s in the house but the 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 G43 is the is a little the slimline I only I have
0: it. one Glock. I know there's so many like Glock fans out there. I only have one Glock. I just have a 30 uh a Gen 334. Uh and that's my range gun. Not my conceal carry is usually a Sig uh 239 two tone because I like the the stainless steel slide. I just like the extra weight of it.
1: Wait, you can have concealed carry in California?
0: You can in California, but it's I very difficult. I know the
2: 43x I, isn't allowed there.
0: Yeah, that's right cuz California has the the roster. Yeah. The roster one list. of my
2: one of my friends lives there and they were like, "You got a 43x, they were like, can you bring it?" I,
0: I don't I don't think I don't know <laughs> if this if this um, if this provision still exists or not. Um, I haven't checked the it, it's literally called like the California off roster import lo- rule or something. If you own a gun before you move to California, and then you move to California, you can bring those guns, even if they're off roster and get them registered legally. So I was actually able to bring, um, an OD green Glock 34 into California, which does not exist in California. And I, I didn't even realize there's actually a market for off roster guns that were legally imported Cause now they're in the system. They're perfectly legal. They go for a pre- like massive premiums on the secondhand market.
4: It's
3: insane that the roster cares about color. Yes
2: so oh weird God. um yeah. yeah this became like know. the
3: gun
0: podcast this time jeez i know right <laughs> so gab's you mentioned that you like spent hours getting your car service <laughs> i i thought you wrench yourself but maybe not with your new place
2: i do yeah but my new place number one is not really the type of parking lot i would want to lay around in um while trying to do things in my car and uh yeah like I, I don't know i just i had to do an o2 sensor spacer and an oil change and to do those without a lift or ramps or a jack is really <laughs> challenging <laughs> so i found a performance shop uh it's actually on the coast it's like 45 minutes away from here but um they knew what i was talking about when i started talking stage two tunes to them and that's always like a big green flag for me because they like one up to my knowledge they were like oh yeah like you got that tune we'll just throw the spacer on and like we use the kind that you already have there and like then you'll have to drive x amount of miles and you'll be good to go and i was like oh cool they know what they're doing so i went there this morning and i fell in love the shop was just the shop was cool i mean it was whatever but they do a lot of performance stuff so there was like this beautiful s7 there um there was some kind of bmw vert i don't i think it was it looked like an e36 series era kind of vert um there was a crazy beetle that was really odd um just some really cool euro cars but the one i couldn't take my eyes off there was a nardo gray (laughs) nardo gray audi
0: Mm, yummy and
2: that is (laughs) please never say that again (laughs) but no and then yeah i mean i was mentioning my my top three That's in my top three car colors, Nardo Gray. We've got British Racing Green, which I think is underrated. And then uh, Techno Violet, which is like the shit. I love Techno Violet. If you guys haven't heard of it, look it up because it is the most beautiful BMW color that has ever existed. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've toured with the idea of getting one and just getting it sprayed that color. But then I know you mentioned wrapping and I did some wrapping with one of my friend's shops a while ago. They taught me how to do vinyl wrap i'm still not good enough to do a whole car myself definitely but i got to help out with some trucks for SEMA, which was super cool and um yeah i don't know i think a techno violet techno violet vinyl wrap would be legit
0: yeah i also found uh, a good mechanic near me uh for my car and and how i knew it was a good shop was uh after you know after we chatted he's like oh let me let me show you what i have in the back Yes. So he took me back. He had his <laughs> E36 and his, and an E46 race car. Because uh, he, he goes to the Nürburgring like, every few weekends just, just to race and, and drive around. So I was like, okay, this is the right shot for me. Uh, and, and, and speaking of, of colors, um, I found a car about four hours away from me that I'm going to try to look at in a couple weeks. Uh, the color's called fern green. It's a really dark green that looks just perfect. It it looks like an ever uh, an evergreen forest, like a, a, or like the black forest in Germany. So, I want to kind of see this color in person, but th- I think that's probably in the car I'm gonna buy in a couple weeks.
2: What kind of car is that?
0: It's an E thirty six Alpina Wagon. So you're just
2: gonna throw that in a shipping container and yes. like send it this way.
0: Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> I live on the coast. I can I can receive it. Just
0: I, I do have to receive it on the east coast because I I intend to register in Pennsylvania. Why? California has some funny rules about gray market cars these
3: days.
2: Yeah, so. you could you could register it in Connecticut and keep it
3: here you have a (laughs) non-contact delivery of a car no no contact
2: have you seen seen those though like that's so legit i was looking at those the other day i was like dude i want to do one of those so bad like carvana and like other services where you just like literally order a car and they bring it to you like have Have you seen seen those vending machines with
1: like the big coin you get
2: no but that looks like what
1: (laughs) they're amazing it's like a gigantic car vending machine and they're like physically inside it and they give you like a big machine. ass token and you put the token in and it brings the car down and dispenses it. It's amazing.
2: Someday when I'm rich, that's gonna be my Yes.
0: Is this Volkswagen? Because I think they that they have that in their... there. Okay, because in in I'm trying to remember what city it's either in Leipzig or Dresden where the Volkswagen factory is. They I have it was something Wolfsburg. Well Wolfsburg's their main factory, but they have other factories for some of their okay. other cars they have something like a vending machine where it's like this big mm-hmm. glass thing and all these cars are there and it's an automated thing where you basically kind of like select which car and then like a, a, like a, a platform goes up, goes in, lifts up the car and then brings the cars down, dispenses it to you. Uh, but it's part of like the delivery experience when you special order a car. I, I think it, they did that for the, the, the Volkswagen Phaeton, if you remember that ultra luxury car they tried to build. Oh that God. was the delivery Working? process if you went to the factory.
2: Side note working on the Phaeton was the worst day of my life. Someone had one and brought it in, and I was like, What brush hell is this motor? Like W twelve? Yeah, it was a W-12. So, like, like, first of all, W what? Why? <laughs> Why? Why? Why twelve? And it like it just wasn't even efficient. I don't know. Like it, I love Volkswagen. I will always stand Volkswagen, but the W twelve was just a mess. Like at least from a mechanics perspective, I felt like those cars were always in there. We had a Phaeton, and we had a couple of other cars that had W12s. I don't remember what they were.
0: Uh, yeah. Bentleys have W have the twin turbo version yeah. of the W12.
2: I know we had we did a lot of R8 service too, but those aren't twelves.
0: So. No, those are V8s and V10s.
2: Yeah, V10s. So I don't remember. I th- thought I had other cars that had W12s in them, but I don't remember what they were. But maybe I'm thinking of the W-16 from B-Baddy, but um, no, that's what my garage is going to look like. I'm just going to have a giant car vending machine and I'm going to take my giant (laughs) coin out every morning.
1: I've actually seen some legit parking garages. Like They use the same technology. I can't remember where it was, but I've actually been to one and you just put in the coin and it brings your car back.
2: I'm going to have one for all my cars. Also, um, Tran, I was that the lobster place eating my delicious lobster roll today and uh freaking mclaren rolled up p1
0: oh nice a million dollars I was just right like, there i
2: it was it was loud too i was just sitting there like, what the
0: fuck? <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> So what there's, there's a mclaren dealership uh a five minute walk from where i live and i'm always seeing street park mclarens and lamborghinis in my neighborhood it, i, I am like what kind of neighborhood did Dude. i move into it's really bizarre <laughs>
2: if i had a mclaren i think i would like i would be afraid to park it anywhere like this this person did street park they parked right in front of me because there was no parking in the little lobster shack
1: but that's how you know they're rich when they yeah. park their McLaren. They just people. flex. Yeah, they were just like, oh, sure there's no parking spot. I'm going to
2: park it on the street and there's like freaking trucks everywhere yeah. and stuff. I'm like
1: right under all the pigeons. Who cares? N- no shit, given. I just
2: really want to talk to someone who has one of these and I want to know what their insurance looks like every month because I know they are <laughs> like most car insurance companies will not insure exotics. And
0: Really? Like, uh, I insurance a lot rates of actually won't. for exotics tend to be actually very reasonable. Because most people don't drive them. They don't see that many miles. So the data, the mile the average miles for these cars are pretty low compared to like a Toyota Corolla. So their insurance rates are actually reasonable. They're actually more affordable than you would expect because most they owners are, don't drive them.
2: But I think that they also tend to get crashed more and maintenance <laughs> and maintenance and repairs also tend to be a lot more expensive than on regular cars. So I don't. I know that there are certain cars that will like you have to go through special exotic, like insurance companies for. Um, I don't remember what they were. I remember this being a whole conversation one time. I just don't remember like the the whole depth of the thing. But I think like some Ferraris, definitely some McLarens. I mean, if you go like Koenigsegg or something, then you're
0: definitely <laughs> yeah. You're gonna need a specialty insurer for that because there is no actuarial data for cars like that.
2: Well, the interesting thing is, like, even I think a lot of people don't realize that, like, most insurance companies don't even cover track insurance. Like, if you want track insurance added, you have to add it on or you have to buy it from a track. Like, when I track my car, I have to buy insurance for that day for my car. And it's, like, $200.
0: Yeah. it it gets Just to be able to take my car
2: on the track. But, like, you're afraid you don't want to not do that because if your car gets damaged on a track, your insurance company is going to be like, hell no. Like, I am. Almost positive you can find it in your insurance policy because I actually read through. mine not find it.
1: <laughs> in the UK, uh, my my insurance on a second hand uh, Jaguar would have been more than the value of the car per year. Well, so it's a Jaguar.
0: Like, it's not worth anything. Yeah, they're pieces of
2: shit. Oh, sh- but that's the thing. It's
1: like, isn't God. isn't the insurance supposed to just cover damage? Like, I shouldn't need to crash the no. car. it's, once it's a year, covering the harm.
0: Year. It's covering the harm you might cause to someone else. No, I'm
1: it's gonna... covering
2: your stupidity for buying a Jaguar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked at an Aston and that was even worse. <laughs> Why are you insurance? looking at
2: Aston Martins? How old are you at this point? <laughs>
1: Uh, Like 18 or 19. Oh my god,
2: do you know what freaking insurance is going to cost you as an 18-year-old and a goddamn Aston Martin?
1: Oh, I know, because I looked (laughs) it up. (laughs) It was about 18,000 per year. Oh
0: my god. So Gabs, you'll like this. So the Nürburgring is a public Mm. road. Therefore, it is not a racetrack. Your street insurance, uh, your road insurance will cover any incident. I want to go.
1: About 100% there's a technicality there that they they rely on. It's the Germans. it's a ring now no it's a They're... toll it's a
0: toll road that's what it is
2: Robert...
1: there's no way that they allow that kind of technicality to get around it yeah no, they do i, they, I it's, mean it's, maybe it's in the germany game. well but the Nuremberg
0: ring is like a national treasure and like people of all walks of life drive on it like you see tour buses go in the Nuremberg ring <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's like goals though like so my favorite track that i've driven so far is road atlanta which is just a good like it's actually a pretty easy track like it's a fun track to drive stuff like that but like life goals drive the Nurburgring like that is like on my bucket list along with kicking in a door so yeah.
1: <laughs> why not both at the same time you kick in the car door yes. and then you drive the Nurburgring yes. can help
2: door, you with the door part? <laughs> and um yeah
3: didn't a roommate of mine go to the Nurburgring with you and yes. actually experience an incident yes. Yeah. He,
0: we, we, so yeah, so at nope. the time I had a R56 Mini Cooper S uh Sorry. that I brought from the US. So I was driving around. No, it's, it's a fun car. I love that car. And then we decided, hey, let's rent one for him to drive as well. Same car. He originally was like, no, I should splurge for the Ferrari or the Porsche. I'm like, dude, you've never <laughs> driven on the racetrack. How about you at least get a Mini Cooper? So that way we can like compare like each other's like kind of performance and and at least i can give you a little bit of coaching i mean i don't know what i'm doing but a little bit more than him at least so we were driving it was towards the end of the day we were having a blast and he was like oh this is my last run i'm gonna really go for it and i was like hey dude like slow down like this is the end of the day you know you're you're tired so like no no we're, we're good so he's like going he's like hauling ass and the tires are squealing, I'm like, dude, you got to slow down. You're, you're, you're not getting enough traction because you're just like turning the wheel too much or going too fast. And then we go into this right hand turn and, uh, and we're about to go into it and he's not braking enough. I'm like, dude, slow down, slow down, slow down. He's like, no, I got this. He no, turns the steering wheel. The car continues <laughs> going straight because he's understeering. Oh. Then the car slides into the grass. And I'm like, do not turn the steering wheel, because if you turn the steering wheel uh, while it's dug in, you can flip the car. So the car then spins around, and then the tail of the car slaps into a wall. So when you rent a car for the the Nürburgring, it comes with insurance, luckily. But... The deductible for a Mini Cooper was 5,000 euros.
2: Holy shit. No. I wouldn't buy a Mini Cooper for that much. So
0: he had to pay the 5,000 euro deductible because, I mean, the car wasn't totaled, but it needed to be repaired. And I'm like, I told you, you should not have gotten the Porsche or Ferrari because the the, the Porsche deductible was 10,000 euros. And Mm -hmm. then the Ferrari was like 25,000 euros.
2: Hell no. No, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how much physics actually goes into driving, especially, like, at a certain level. It's a lot of, like, I don't know. I, I mean, planning, it's kind of not necessarily calculating in your head because you're not, like, calculating anything, but it's understanding how the angles work and stuff like that. I dated this dude for a while who was a formula drift driver and, like, talk about nerve-wracking. Like, he would do the tandem drifts and stuff all the time and, like, he like smashed into a wall one time and like wasn't getting out of his car and i was like that was the worst day of my life so i don't know but it was it was a crazy experience i've never been a drift driver so like it was kind of foreign to me i was like you just take your car and slide it through corners like
0: yeah, <laughs> a completely...
2: yeah there was one guy who
0: it's ballet in cars
2: there was a guy who had a uh, 350z who... that had an ls in it and he Uh, Ran snow tires on the track all the time and you could not see the cars because of how soft the snow tires were Like it was just everything was completely engulfed in smoke. I don't know how the people who were with him drove like You couldn't see anything, but my coworker (laughs) I had meant to this is in my desk drawer my coworker when I left my last job bought me my dream car (laughs) But it's a m2 in Atlantis blue nice so last year was my first year attending black hat and i was like wow i'm gonna make this game where i take a shot every time i see the words military grade on something <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> lo and behold i was trashed after like half of black hat so i mean like i don't know there are certain phrases that i feel like you see in our industry that just immediately make you roll your eyes like i see military grade and i'm like
0: oh my god AI like, machine learning, that's like another one that is yeah. overly used and used improperly. Because there, there is legitimate yeah. AI machine learning, but most of the stuff out there are just signatures.
2: Same with blockchain. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: yeah,
2: what blockchain else? blockchain's
1: kind of a meme at this point.
2: <laughs> what else is in my...
1: Zero trust.
2: Yeah, so I saw, I actually, someone had told me about this, but they had a client who had a... <laughs> who had a... Um, They were advertising for like threat, uh, like intrusion prevention, and they called it negative zero day protection. I was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. Negative Um, day, negative, negative day protection.
0: I mean, Dave, I I guess in your world with the physical security side, military
3: grade is probably the buzzword that is thrown around. It's a popular one, yeah. Misuse of the word encryption. In our, in our world, we still have like occasionally people saying shit like unhackable or unspoofable, unclonable, which is literally true of like every new credential type in the electronic access control world that comes out until like everything's not clonable till it is, you know, it's okay. just, it's just a matter of time.
2: Do you get tactical a lot?
3: i'm sure oh my god <laughs> i'm
1: sure operator pigs.
0: i think yeah. operator is probably another one that people love to throw around being an operator like what, what the heck does that mean
2: <laughs> i feel like intelligence gets thrown into a lot of things that it probably shouldn't either um mm-hmm. just that as a word like i i don't know there's obviously a place for intelligence in our field and different types but i don't know i feel like companies almost tack it on to some of their service offerings just to make it sound like it does more than it does What other ones do we have? I had like a whole list. It was just dumb stuff.
0: APT. I don't know if I put a list together somewhere.
1: APT doesn't really mean anything anymore. Yeah, everything's an APT now. APT was, I believe, an Air Force terminology. It was was something military. And it basically meant a foreign uh, government-sponsored threat actor. But then it was scary, so the industry was like, we just going to start <laughs> calling everything APTs now. <laughs> so now it scary. just means this is a hacker. Maybe not even a hacker, some random script could be mm. somewhere.
2: What else? I, I feel like people use nation-state a lot. And you don't understand what it means, too.
1: It just means... Uh, uh, sponsored, yeah. yeah. Or
0: affiliation, it's... which I think is also funny because any type of affiliation with a nation now, although well, they're, they're nation-state actor or some garbage mm-hmm. like that. I, I, I was reading an article. They were, they were attributing it to Iranian state-sponsored hackers, and I read into the article. I'm like, they were contractors working for the government. Like, that's...
1: Mm-hmm. The, I mean, that's still state-sponsored. You are being sponsored by the state. Yeah, but they and were also making civilian. money.
0: They're making money elsewhere, too. Like, I think the article talk talking about how they're, like, now selling access to VPNs now on, 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 on the Darknet. Oh, <laughs> the Darknet, that's another one. The Dark
2: yeah. Web. <laughs> it was Experian, I think, that had Dark Web scanning for your credit. <laughs> dark I Web, crying. I think, is the biggest meme. Like, and Deep is, Web. People are, like, starting yeah. to understand mm-hmm. what Deep Web is, too, and they're, like... I found this on the deep
1: web. <laughs> is, uh, like, have you been like, on the
2: subreddit for Darknet? Like, Darknet Markets yeah. is a freaking shit show. But, like, even when Silk Road was a thing, it was a shit show. But, like, some of the, there's like a deep web subreddit too, and just, it's asinine. <laughs> it's completely asinine. Like, it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I
3: How are there subreddits? Like, what are people talking about?
1: Yeah, there's subreddits that, like, index, like, it's where people can go and talk about various Darknet sites.
3: Okay. Are talking but, about uh, it
1: yeah like whenever like when silk road went down there would be threads about like what's the new silk road what's the most trusted uh like what's happening and yeah but i i feel like uh, like dark web or deep web i don't even know which term is the proper term the things with onions <laughs> that thing is they always like uh like hackers with their their, their dark net websites or deep web websites and the, the majority of serious hacking forums are on the clearnet. They're just mm-hmm. normally internet addressable sites. And most of the stuff like Silk Road and whatever the new versions of that, it's just script kiddie shit. It's people selling credit cards, mm-hmm. just super low level stuff. And all the real hacking is on the clearnet, but they never focus on that. They're always like, this is on the... Because it doesn't sound scary. Web. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't know. It's definitely sensationalized. And I think... So my understanding is that dark web... And deep net dark net deep net whatever i'm just hell.
0: confused now you, you <laughs> yeah. just threw too many i don't know the, the difference so
2: the difference as far as i understand it and like i could totally be wrong here so like if i'm wrong yell at me but uh deep web is just stuff that's not findable via like search engines Google. right like robots.txt like entries yeah. get you deep
1: web. <laughs> yes <laughs> my website is deep web <laughs> and then and
2: then the dark the dark web is like a subset of that it's like the shitty things that are also like that. part of the deep web <laughs>
1: right it's not even (laughs) shitty it's just tour right it's just anything on tour honestly
2: like i've seen worse things on clearnet than i have seen on the dark web and that's like doing a lot of stuff with the human trafficking investigations and other like weird osint things that we've been doing um like you definitely see i i feel like you see worse things even on social media platforms and stuff like that sometimes than you do see on the dark web the dark web is literally mostly people just like trying to sell credit card numbers every once in a while you'll see like people are selling textbook pdfs and like um also like people trying to hawk weapons every once in a while which is somewhat more yeah. interesting but it's... Uh,
1: that's my experience as well is it's a lot of drugs and really low-level cybercrime and people have this idea of there are hitmans on the dark net but like there is no physical way in which that would work because the fbi would just hire them to walk into traps and then arrest them mm-hmm. it's like you cannot order a hitman through a trustless system because the whole point of being a hitman is trust you trust that the person hiring you is not an fbi agent which on the dark net they are 100% are
2: i bet you could order one clear net though
1: oh 100% yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: marcus knows <laughs>
1: a lot of the the drug cartels operated via clear net or just sell. it's dark net is just it's so overly technical and i just i think a lot of the things people think are on the dark net really happen not on the dark net but on on the clear net
2: literally social media like one of the biggest things especially with human trafficking is like people think it happens on the dark net and people are like selling people via dark net (laughs) and like or using freaking Wayfair to sell people as furniture. But- <laughs> oh my
1: god, <laughs> that was the dumbest conspiracy. Oh my god. But really, that like honestly, so...
2: the majority of the things that we see in human trafficking happen via Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, things like that. Um, it's it's people trying to gain other people's trust via social media, and the people that are using social media think it's you know a place where they can trust everyone, and it, it just turns into one of these kind of into deep situations for a lot of people
1: yeah that's my understanding i have a bunch of friends who work in like anti-trafficking and they mostly focus on it's facebook groups and that kind of shit and just random whatsapp they there's a real issue probably even discord
0: as well because uh Wasn't there some terrorist plot that was foiled because the the perpetrators were planning the attack using PUBG? They were chatting through the PUBG chat. Oh, I I
1: heard this one, yeah. (laughs) That's just dumb. Well, a lot of people don't have good upset because like everyone laughs at like Darknet drug dealers. They're like having return addresses or whatever. But the reality is have you seen a real world drug dealer like they they meet you in person and give you their phone number it's like the darknet ones are like many many steps more like op pro opsec than your average street drug dealer and i guess people just don't really realize that and they're like ha ha this guy's an idiot and it's like have you met a real drug dealer <laughs> <laughs> like they, they literally turn up at your house on a phone call. Like, show up at your
2: house, they hang out, and watch movies with you, man. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> and but I think I mean, it's fun. Oh, go ahead.
2: No, you go ahead. You got a well, more formed thought. No, you.
0: Yeah, you
1: go ahead.
3: <laughs> right, do I'll you? Go.
1: you hang up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> One day when no. we're all just hanging out in a more casual way. I'm going to have to just unload on how I hate everything about the human trafficking industry. And I don't mean human trafficking, which is so fucking small in the way people think. They think it's like the biggest problem facing society. But no, the whole industry that has sprung up about orgs that take so much political money and do nothing. um, Because most human trafficking is labor trafficking. I 100% agree with you. I
2: Taught a couple of law enforcement courses in California at the beginning of this year, just about like how to recognize signs of trafficking and stuff like that, because it actually happens in California a lot. Like, there's a lot of labor trafficking in California. Mm
1: -hmm. Is this cabinet too overpriced? No, (laughs) (laughs)
2: but yeah, no, it is. It is really, really crazy because I do it on a completely volunteer basis, Mm -hmm. like just working with different organizations here and there sometimes, and a lot of the organizations are pretty legit i mean a lot of them are like academic research and stuff like that so they're not usually taking a bunch of political money but there are so many like if you just google like human trafficking so many organizations that are just like
3: polaris and yeah oh my god
2: uh, i mean there's a lot that just anything yeah. Sonny
3: hunt has ever been involved in
2: just... and we should probably cut the names of these out because i don't want to like oh, trash talk or maybe you can,
3: you can keep it talking on me if you want because i will trash talk Sonny hunt till the end of time but
2: <laughs> yeah but i don't know i just yeah i agree like i i don't know i do it on a complete volunteer basis because it's something that i think is interesting it helps my own skills it helps people so at the end of the day like it's a win-win but yeah there's a lot of companies that just profit off of exploiting mm-hmm. i feel
1: like there's a lot of uh what's the word like just public fear that is directed in completely the wrong direction like we touched on with the wayfair mm-hmm. conspiracy that's
2: the united states
1: yeah, but a lot of what I see, like, on TikTok is people are giving advice on how to avoid being, like, human trafficked. It's a moral and panic. It's this
3: generation's yeah. satanic panic.
1: And it's, like, human yeah. trafficking is generally people you know. There aren't, like, random dudes in vans kidnapping them. It's
3: the
2: same with, like, murder. I mean, most, like, murder and assault and things like that are, mm-hmm. like, statistically people someone that you know. know. Yeah. Or that yeah. you're close to, even. Right.
1: Like, even when I was a kid, uh, and like, I'm, I'm a dude and I'm not really that good looking, but, uh, I was told to watch out for the, the yeah. man with the van outside school. Oh yeah. And it wasn't until I was about 24 that I realized that that isn't a thing. People do not sit with vans outside schools and just bundle kids into them. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that is ridiculous.
2: Yeah. I don't know. A trans he had a candy van.
3: So, <laughs> would you like some candy? <laughs> But this really speaks to our industry and security as a whole that humans are horrible at evaluating risk. Yes, and we we live by anecdote, not data. Like we make really bad decisions over and over and over.
2: That's such a fa- like we could talk about that for an entire episode. I think just, mm-hmm. I mean, we have entire teams dedicated to assessing risk. Like, why is it something that we're so bad about, and have we always been bad about it? Like, are our ancestors who were trying to hunt. Predators of Mm -hmm. them really, really bad at assessing what was risky to them.
1: That's always what surprised me, is because our industry, InfoSec, is at the very core just risk management. That Mm -hmm. is what the industry is. And then you go on InfoSec Twitter. And it's like turn your phone off at defcon there are fbi agents trying to kidnap me at my house yeah it's fear-mongering it's, like...
0: it's just pure and fear-mongering to no just... one
1: understands risk management like they have these insane risk models that are just so unrealistic and they work in an industry which is entirely based on risk modeling
3: we have oversized amygdalas and we still panic and everything else that we haven't evolved out of ourselves you mentioned our ancestors right like if you have two different ancestors one of them was like what's that rustle in the bushes ah it's probably nothing and the other one is like the rustle in the bushes is definitely going to murder me you know it doesn't matter who's right or wrong this person is not having as many kids as this person and like we are this person's descendants
2: so where do we get the happy medium eventually like you would think it would eventually start to even out right
3: it's hard it's really hard I you think know education. the classic story is the news can put out reports saying every major u.s city is safer than it has been in decades you can look like at all these bar charts but if you're having lunch and you're like did you know aunt mabel's sister she went to new york city last year to see a play and she got mugged like that mugging story is going to stick in your brain way yeah. more than all the bar charts and all that valid data
1: well i think the main issue it's like no one is reading these charts and this data. They just read the news. Mm-hmm. And by its nature, the news is reporting the extraordinary. No one wants to hear, hey, today Greg went to New York and he <laughs> ate a Subway. It was adequate but not delicious. <laughs> they want to... <laughs> adequate <laughs> they wanna... <mean> <laughs> subway. <laughs> I
2: wouldn't even call it adequate, but let's move okay, on. Okay,
1: okay. And like, The news is, it's reporting The Extraordinary, so it's like mass murders and whatever. And I remember like when my parents came to America for the very first time to visit me, they were like, are you sure it's okay for you to walk home alone from this restaurant? And I'm like, what? Like, are you sure? Like, are you not gonna get shot? And they like (laughs) literally thought that just like me walking home, someone was gonna come and mug me or shoot me for no reason. And you realize the media kind of fuels this idea of all this violence that just isn't happening
2: yeah i mean i was i, I don't know I, there's a lot of things in play i think some of it is instinctual some of it is like transad learning it's education but i think there are a lot of people that see things in the news don't want to believe statistics and are more likely to believe something that someone who's close to them is telling them i don't know like i mean i was in new haven earlier today near yale which is like the last place you would think you would freaking get sh- gunned down, but here we are. My mom was like, you "New Haven's so dangerous," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "You're from the Bronx. <laughs> like, what are you talking about?" I'm like, "We lived in Cincinnati. Like, Cincinnati had 18 murders two weekends ago, like in the entire weekend. Like, you're telling me that this is going to be worse than that? Because I don't think so. Like, look at the numbers. Like, okay, like." Connecticut as a whole is actually pretty safe. I mean, there are parts of Hartford that are in, but you're gonna have in parts of every city that you go to. It's just how it is.
0: I think. Well, I, I think this. I, I think when there are people who spout irrational positions.
2: Like furniture I, I think, on Wayfair. Yes, <laughs>
0: I I think what happens is you know people like us who are very logical and see it's ridiculous. I I think sometimes we react in a way that also causes these people to believe these things to be defensive, and then that shuts them down from actually having an intelligent conversation about it. So, I I think what we need to do also as a society and as people who want to discuss topics, we need to not always um, make the other side a villain or vilify them I think we need to go in there you know with a much more calm demeanor so that way they're open to listening to us um, and I think that's what our society lacks a lot of times. And, and that's why it's so divisive because everyone's just screaming at each other. like, "Oh, you, you don't agree with me? You're an idiot. You're you're like an awful human being instead of actually coming to the table and having a civil conversation about the topic. So I think that's something that we really need to reflect on as well as a society um, about how do we engage each other, especially people who don't agree with us.
2: I agree, but I think a lot of it comes to the way a raised education as well, because I... I grew up in a family where my mom was on one side of the political spectrum and my dad was pretty much on the other. And I mean, this was a time, obviously, like when it was a lot less polarized than it is now. But at the same time, like there were a lot of things that my parents did not agree on. And they taught my brother and I how to have really just discussions instead of arguments about things. They would be like, oh, this is why I believe this. And then one of the other parents would be like, this is why I believe this. And they would agree to disagree in the end but they would listen to each other's points and take them into account and be like okay maybe i didn't think about it that way and i think a lot of it is being aware that there are other viewpoints and being able to look at them and say okay maybe i can learn from this or at least you know internalize it in a way that i i mean there's some that you're just not going to understand but i can internalize it in a way that will make sense as to why i understand like that person believes this and things like that and I think just a lot of that isn't really
1: taught. So that's all we've got for today, guys. Thanks for joining us again. Um, thanks to Deviant for being our token straight white male. We needed a diversity. Feels very and, diverse um, today. So if you have questions or you want to suggest a topic for the next episode, we have r slash tech podcast on Reddit or hashtag podcast on Twitter. The end. Hi. <laughs>